Civilized Barking is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, sometimes with prices up to 60% off. Hey, we all know what's coming week 16. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson are coming to First Energy Stadium looking for revenge. It's going to be wild, and if you want to be here, look up GameTime. Get your tickets there. See who's selling and get the best prices on Browns Ravens tickets. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app at Google Play or in the App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, and Tom Reed. Hey everybody, Browns win. Yeah, that's the story. 27-19, they get to 6-7. and seven. Uh, They get to 3-1 and one in the division, which is impressive. Hasn't been done. They won a fourth straight at home. They've won four or five. But again, as we gather here, and uh, I'm Zach Jackson. I'm joined today by Pat McManaman and Jason Lloyd. We're talking about off the field. Um, it goes back headline-wise to Odell Beckham to last Thursday. Um, news-wise... Would you have to, over the weekend, you have to consider a concerted effort um, by a really calculating, smart, and media-savvy guy. Um, and then after the game today, Baker Mayfield comes out and says that the training staff mishandled Odell's injury, should have had surgery long ago. So Dr. Mayfield was 11 of 24, and then he um, delivered the diagnosis, Jason. So, again, it's another Sunday, which means it must be another off-field story. Involving your Cleveland Browns. I have nothing. I, I have nothing to offer today. I'm just going to sit here and smack my forehead for the next 22 minutes. Because <laughs> you're on the clock. <laughs> I I I don't even I I don't know what to say about even when they win, they lose. <laughs> I I just I have nothing left. Especially when they win, they lose. You mean? I mean? Yeah. I first of all, this was a horrible game. This was a horrible. Horrible game. You couldn't tell most of the day which team had one win and which team theoretically had a playoff spot. Stupid decisions on both sides, on both sidelines. I'm glad it's over. Let's never speak of this again. (laughs) Which leaves us only drama to talk about. I have to say, in all my, you know, 938 years of covering this league, uh, I don't know that I've ever heard a quarterback call out a training staff. Like that, right. especially. I don't think I've heard a player call out a training staff unless it was in a lawsuit like that. So what do, what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anybody really in this whole organization that can just say no comment or we defer, right? And, and look, um, Odell might be really hurt. I, I'm not doubting that, and I don't know. I'm not a top-level athlete. Um, you know, we know his explanation for not attending OTAs way back when was that he has his own way of getting ready. And if the Browns are cool with that, they got to be cool with that, right? I mean, this is a, a super uh, freaky level athlete. But there's an injury report three days a week, every week of the season. This is week 14. They've occasionally listed him as limited. He has not missed a practice, to my knowledge. If he did, it was long, long, long ago. Um, and then all of a sudden, at 6.15 on a game day, when he's already been in the headlines, there's this report that it's worse than it can be. And then after the game, when the quarterback could have said, it's not my thing to, to speak about um, or, or I guess, a hundred other answers, right? <laughs> he says our training staff mishandled. 
The one thing he did say that's right is, uh, to them, an Odell Beckham at less than 100% at 85, whatever he is, we don't really know. Uh, let's say 70% for argument's sake. He said that Odell Beckham at 70% is good enough for us. Well, then you add the, the training staff mishandled it. Now, I don't know how your training staff's going to appreciate that. Yeah. I, I can't imagine the Browns not having a conversation and laying out the options and when they knew what the situation was. You can play through it and address it after the season. It's going to be pain tolerance. I mean, I'm guessing. I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to Johns Hopkins like, like Baker Mayfield did, evidently. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to imagine they didn't talk about this during the season. And Odell made an adult decision to say, I'm going to try to play through it. I mean, Lake Travis is known for pumping out quarterbacks and endocrinologists. So, <laughs> Jason, your thoughts? Oh, after these one-liners you guys are dropping, I, I don't know what else I could possibly well, add. Uh, Jason, I, I, because I feel the same as you, and I would rather just pound my head into this table than continue this podcast, <laughs> I, I had an incomplete thought earlier, and that's this. The, the whole handling of everything. Odell is going to Odell, and he's had he's so smart. And so polished, she's had many opportunities to say it's about the team. And the last I remember that is in week four when he had like two catches and they were trying to justify the two catches. But every move this week, the vague answers, the all of a sudden report comes, various reports come on Sunday morning. Um, With the, precision timing. The unnamed bang, bang, sources bang. report on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's precision time. And it all, it's all a terrible look because it's all about him. And he has had every chance to take Mia culpas, I guess, for lack of a better word, or take responsibility and say, hey, guys, you know, this hasn't worked, and part of that's on me. But we are in this grind together. We are not out of it, and I'm going to do my part, whatever it is, blocking, catching, running. Instead, he's saying, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, hell, it was barely September when he said next year is going to be my year the first time, and he said it again this week. Well, I think by September he saw what the rest of us have seen in terms of <laughs> – the coaching staff and, and put him in the position to win. But Zach, you said something last week after on this podcast that kind of snapped me to attention when you said either Odell or Freddie will not be back. They it, they can't bring them both back next year. And I hadn't thought of it in those terms until you said that. And I thought about it all week and watched it today. I don't know that either one of them are back next year. Uh, if if it's true that he's asked out, how do you why do you, would you want him back? I mean, if he wants well, out sure. of here and doesn't want to play here. You're going to pay a guy with 14 million, well, whatever it is, if you, to stay? If you bring in an adult to be the head coach, then you know maybe you can convince him otherwise. But, yeah, at, at this point, I, I don't know that either one of them will be back next year. It's so baffling. It's so frustrating. Um, I was talking with someone yesterday, and it's like, okay, for whatever level you saw the, this coming in terms of too much too soon, immaturity, or just – having to grow together with fitting all these pieces that have never played together and only one ball and uh, all the attention, right? You could see coming from a mile away that the O-line was going to be a problem. Yes. Right? And now you get here and you could see, well, right behind that, the head coach and the diva receiver are probably going to be problems. And that's before we thought that the quarterback was going to play at a much higher level than he has. And I think all those things are tied together. I tried to be real clear about that writing this week that, Yes, Baker struggled. Yes, Odell struggled. And yes, the O-line struggled. And, and to some extent, those three are certainly tied together. That, that's, that's football, right? It's supposed to be a rhythm game. But we hired the coach because he and the quarterback made beautiful music. <laughs> and, man, this song sucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this about Odell, and maybe it's a little contrarian view to what Zach, you just said. But, you know, they did hire the coach because of the quarterback, which empowered the quarterback. 
maybe things are not copacetic with the receivers and the quarterback. Maybe they're not as great as we think. I keep flashing back to the Denver game when Odell Beckham had a touchdown on the fourth down throw that went over the middle to Jarvis Landry, surrounded by two guys. I go back to last week in Pittsburgh. The interception to Landry, there were two or three Steelers right there around him. You know, if Joe Hayden doesn't make the play on, a, on the ball behind him, there's another guy there to make the play in a different way. Odell Beckham's on the outside. He's on man coverage. He's beat his guy. He's there for a 12- or 15-yard catch. He just steps out of bounds, which at that situation, that's what you want. Now, if you're Odell Beckham and you kind of feel like, you know, you're expecting a certain thing here and it's not that way, you know, maybe he's, quote, unquote, protecting his brand right now and he's going to get out, get to a team he wants next year. This is all speculation. And I, I've kind of thought it was... The Browns won today if you're just tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was premature speculation on Thursday, but... When the report comes out from Jay Glazer, who is not chopped liver when it comes to player information, right? You gotta you gotta wonder what's going on behind the scenes that that we all can kind of speculate and guess about. Yeah, I'm still smacking my head. Continue. <laughs> yeah, so um, look, you know the Browns won, and it wasn't pretty. And look, you know the goal, the win is the end result. Um, the Bengals, talent wise, are not a one win team. They they did some Bengals things today, and they got there. They did some Freddie Kitchens things. Yes, they did. <laughs> Um, 12 for 99 in the second half for Nick Chubb, including 57 on one run. That's the guy you feed. He's leading the NFL in rushing. Three carries in the first half. Three carries in the first half. But they won. Uh, the Bengals bungled a couple of game management situations, and the Browns made the plays. Jarvis and Chubb, again, all year long when they win, right? Those are the two. So we talked about that, but here we are again. And <laughs> and I want to go inside the locker room, but I, I want to stop and tell you guys before that. If you've listened to this podcast before, we say, hey, you all watch the game, so we don't want to get bogged down in the numbers or, or this third down or this second down. Um, we want to take you inside the locker room. But we all come up from the locker room, and we all gathered briefly before we set up the podcast material, and we're like, what are we going to write? And we're like, well, I don't know. But then, Jason, you say that. I mean, it sounds like a column idea. Either Freddie or Odell or both aren't going to be here next year. Yeah. <laughs> Can I come hit you in the head with a, with a bottle? At, at this point – I, I, I'm really kind of wondering if it is going to be both. Okay, um, football question. You know, say he's hurt, and, and Baker told us he is, right? Yeah. I mean, is that why he's not getting it over the middle? Although one today he makes a hell of a play over the middle and gets up, takes a whap, yep. and gets up just fine. But there was another time he got one over the middle and, and took an ugly whap and he had to reach. And if you have a sports hernia, you would figure that would be pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of pretty uncomfortable, let's go to the locker room. Jason, I know um, as soon as you got down there, you're pretty much camped out for Odell based on the Jay Glazer reports, based on the NFL Network and, and other things. What what was that interaction like? Uh, what was his presentation like down there in the locker room? Very brief. He had on some <laughs> Tom Weathers joke that looked like a Giants sideline jacket. It was this enormous blue jacket with a big hood on it. And he didn't really have a whole lot to say. Uh, he did confirm that he had been dealing with this since training camp and he said he doesn't run until Fridays uh, which is curious because I remember Freddie saying either early week one or week two that Odell has never been in this is the best shape he's ever been in and now <laughs> that goes out the window like everything else with this team and in terms of reports he wouldn't address he didn't deny it but he wouldn't really address it he didn't want to get into it and it was over so uh, Thursday was much more insightful than anything today and I would imagine he will – I'm just guessing here that it'll be like that the rest of the season, that he will speak less and less the rest of the season on this stuff. 
let's just imagine this. Of any player we find out is playing through a sports hernia all year long, the general consensus, you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, and you're going to say, well, he's really, you know, putting, putting it out there for the team. You know, he's giving up his body for the team, and, and that's kind of what you, you know, to me, that's sort of what you have to look at with him. He's playing a position where he's at risk. He could get hit significantly at any point in time, and he's playing with something that could have been solved by surgery a while ago. Now, why they didn't do it, you know, that's a question that needs to be answered. If Baker just did. Weren't you listening? <laughs> Dr. Mayfield. And in typical Browns fashion, the coach has already spoken. We haven't heard from the GM since the bye week, right? And the coach has already spoken and is in his car by the time Baker drops this, right? So then it lingers a whole other day. So the Browns win – but tomorrow when you open the athletic app and you listen to this podcast and you turn on the radio or you sit at the water cooler and talk to whomever, it again, what's it going to be about? Dr. Baker and Odell's not only diagnosis, but his future. Next, We're talking about next year. With, with the playoffs still a long shot, the yes. possibility. Right. Yeah. It's just, you know, it should be a win. It's a win. They're, they're still alive. Now they watch other teams and hope, but no, it's not that way. Who the hell ever named this thing civilized barking anyway? <laughs> Sorry for the untruths in advertising. It's neither folks. civilized nor barking, no, actually. No. Unless, Jason, you want to bark? <laughs> no. No, I don't want to do anything right now. I want to go home and lay down. Um, anything else from the locker room, guys? I was late getting down there, finishing up the first thoughts column. It was pretty well cleared out. Uh, did Nick Chubb even talk? I did not see him. I didn't see him. Other I never even saw him at all. Okay. Uh, anything else from down there stick out? I'll just throw out a Sheldon Richardson comment. I asked him about what the report about Odell wanting, telling people he wants out of Cleveland. His immediate comment was, so what? He's still got to finish this year. <laughs> God bless Sheldon Richardson. <laughs> you can't argue it. We, we have the Freddie Fireball Offense of the Week and the Sheldon Richardson Quip of the Week. So, exactly right. I mean, we were racking up the sponsorship there. <laughs> It's too bad. It's mid-December. We're just hitting our stride here on Civilized Barking. It is a fair question to ask to try to find out, though. Could it have been handled in preseason, and would he have only missed, say, the September? Today's Freddie Fireball Offense of the Week. Chubb steps out of a tackle, cuts back, just absolutely punks Darquez Denard on that stiff arm, goes 57 yards to the three- or four-yard line. Next play, empty, fade into Joku, who can't catch a call. You can't make it up. Yeah. This Freddie Fireball offense. Joke he threw it to, yeah. <laughs> this Freddie Fireball offense brought to you by Kingsford Charcoal. <laughs> Go back and hit yourself in the head. Dude. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, so the Browns are six and seven. As we record this, they're mathematically alive. We don't have the scenarios in front of us, and as we record it, it doesn't matter because um two three of the teams in front of them that they would need to collapse are playing right now two of them are playing each other and we know the Colts lost earlier I don't know the circumstances of that game but I saw the Colts had a big lead and I know they lost uh 38 to 35 I believe so um we know the Browns would have to win out to have any chance next up is Arizona so coming up is um a week of (laughs) Kyler Murray Baker Mayfield yeah yeah I mean, last year, Jason, remember writing about Patrick Mahomes and Baker in these glowing terms? Yep. Right? 11 to 24, 192. The third pick taken. How about that? We had a pass interference overturned by review today. Yeah. Those have been been rare. And we can't say it saved the Browns because we've seen the Bengals play, but it certainly changed the game. Look, 11 to 24 for 192. And how many picks? Three? Well, two. Two picks. Two picks. Those are numbers we've seen from Browns quarterbacks in in the past 20 years. 
have not lasted long. You know, hope it's an aberration with this guy, but those are not good numbers. You know, especially be a, against that defense. You know, it'll be a fun exercise this week is asking Cliff Kingsbury, "What's wrong with Baker Mayfield?" <laughs> yes. Come on around. <laughs> We'll have you. Hey, Cliff, uh, what do you see out of Baker this year, and when, why isn't he playing that well? Can you imagine how that would go? Hey, Cliff, Zach Jackson, The Athletic. Baker's been a hell of a lot of fun to be around, pleasant, cheery, uh, really upbeat. Does that remind you of that year at Texas Tech at all? <laughs> what was it like when his dad called you and cussed you out? <laughs> I dare you. What was it like when he came back with Oklahoma and ran you guys out of the stadium, Cliff? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Jason, can I buy your bottle? I'd like to hit myself in the head now, too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, man, the special teams are a little shaky. But Cyber, big kicks. It was windy today, and especially the long one into the other end. But that guy's been good all year. Well, yeah, he's been pretty That's sick. what I was going to joke earlier is everyone was concerned, myself included, about the special teams. <laughs> Remember when we thought the special teams was like one of the big weak links on this team? Yeah. Another yeah. quick football observation. I mean, this pass rush is just not what it was. And Vernon, Vernon inactive today. He's not healthy, uh, which is a concern going all the way back when you acquire 28-year-old defensive lineman. Uh, but, you know, without him and Garrett, um, I mean, Dalton picked him apart. They just – all year long, the Browns – two weeks ago, it was the third best uh, third down defense in the league today. They held the Bengals a 3 of 12. The Bengals outgained them by 20 yards and fail in the red zone twice. You could say that's a difference in the game right there, winning on third down. And one overthrow that turned into a pick six. Yeah. Uh, another really active game for Joe Schobert. He's had – continues to have a really good year. T.J. Carey, just an underrated guy, uh, recovers that last onside kick in on a couple big plays today on defense. Um, teams are going at greedy. That's going to happen to the rookie corner. Denzel Ward. Not had his best year, but the pick six is huge, obviously, because the Browns drive, then falter early. The Bengals are moving it again, and that changes the momentum. And then really a couple plays stand out. i got to give it to Baker. Uh, that's a hell of an athletic play that I didn't think he had in him on the run there on third down to get the lead for good there kind of late in the first half. But the third and 19, that was Bengals are sitting in coverage. He throws it up, and Landry goes and gets it. That's a hell of a play. And it's just, it's just those two. I mean, Landry continues to do it, but it's just been few and far between. And it's just everything still, Jason, just seems like such a struggle and is so maddening, everything except when Chubb busts into the secondary. Something's got to change before next year. I mean, you know, kind of the dumb moment of the day. But they, they can't just bring everything back like this as is and expect it to be magically better next year. I, I just – I it's maddening. It's baffling the, the way that Baker has played this year. Uh, I don't understand it. Can't explain it. Hope something changes before next year. I think even Odell said that Thursday. He did. Conceded, yeah. Something's, something's, something's got to change. change. Yep. His idea of change may be different from other people's, but we'll see. Change of address. <laughs> All right. Um, Freddie's going to be in the spotlight this year because he spent, I think, 12 seasons in Arizona where he was never even promoted to offensive coordinator. Um, so uh, between that and Steve Wilkes being – the one year, one and done head coach last year, the Cardinals. There's going to be some of that storyline. I think for the most part, we're past that stuff, right? Because of everything else that's always surrounding this team. But let's let's part with this right now on December eighth, with three games to go before we know what happens there. Uh, Jason, the percentage chance that Freddie Kitchens is a coach of the Browns in 2020? I think it's fifty fifty because. I'm not basing this off anything, but just instinct and having done this for a really long time. I don't think John Dorsey has any intention of firing him, but I think he might get overruled. 
And if if the Haslam step in, I think he's gone. If the Haslam's let John Dorsey decide, I think he returns. Uh, if you're making me put a percentage, I'm saying 60% he's back. Yeah, I, I, I think right now I'm 55-45 towards back. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised either way, and that goes for the Browns as a whole. <laughs> right, but um, – What are the odds they win out the rest of the way? What's the percentage – See, it almost feels like that has to be, and I guess it'd be. I, I give away smaller than sixty percent chance that they beat the Ravens in two weeks, right? But um, I don't know. I, I just I look at the organization of the offense. I look at continuing to put the quarterback in bad spots. I look at the quarterback's lack of growth, and I and I think that the plug might be pulled. But again, when you do that, you certainly don't get any better. At least not right away. You give off the vibe that you're a mess, which is given off anyway, right? And that would be this: the owners have owned this team for seven years and two months, and this would be the second coach that's won and done. Yeah, <laughs> do it anyway. I've seen enough, and I get it. I get it. Um, so uh, I think we're about barked up, right? I only bark so long. <laughs> Are we leaving anything on the table here? I have nothing left to say. I just episode I want to go home barking. and go to bed. It's like say that's the most intelligent Jason has sounded all year. Because <laughs> I didn't say anything. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, again, we move on to the next next step in this uh, um, soap opera that is the Cleveland Browns. They move on. Uh, they start the last quarter of the season with a win and a division win, and nobody's talking about that. So, what's the future hold for Fred Kitchens, for Odell Beckham? For any of us. <laughs> Nobody knows tomorrow. <laughs> Stay tuned for the next episode of As the Cleveland Browns Turn and of Civilized Barking here on The Athletic. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later in the week.